1: and the final conclusion the continental campaign ends with two giants of Europe Real Madrid the 13-time champions and Liverpool looking for their 7th stars everywhere Karim Benzema Mohamed Salah Luka Modric Sadio Mane Vinicius Jr and how about these managers Jurgen Klopp, who is looking for yet another trophy for the Reds. And Carlo Ancelotti, the Italian manager, aiming for more history and becoming the most successful coach in this competition. Too many headlines for me to handle alone, so we have a star-studded cast. Michael LaHood, Jonathan Johnson, and James Bench from Paris. The Lasso Champions League final Real Madrid against Liverpool. The preview begins right now. Hey everybody, welcome to Keigo Lasso, Keigo Lasso Pod on Twitter, YouTube.com forward slash Keigo Lasso CBS Sports and your CBS Sports website. It's the Champions League final. This is it. And we brought everybody the big guns and I can't wait to get into it. Jonathan Johnson, how are you, buddy?
2: Yeah, doing really well. Thanks. Really looking forward to this one and uh, and being on site on Saturday and can't think of anybody better to pick through it all with than uh, you guys.
1: Absolutely James Bench you have a you you moved to Paris Jonathan Johnson you have a, a roommate here in James Bench who is in Paris how are you James uh,
3: I'm I'm fantastic I'm a little bit bleary eyed but I'm I'm really excited for the days ahead I should let you all know as well um I asked obviously you know I said to Jonathan hey this is where I'm staying any tips would be greatly appreciated what I then got from Jonathan was a list of I think around 30 to 35 30- restaurants, coffee shops, bars. I don't know how long he thinks I'm coming out for.
2: I'm not joining you for next <laughs> season, JJ.
1: He wants you to oh, do a marathon of s- this. before and everybody day. up,
2: so join the revolution.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Michael LaHood, who is not in Paris, just like me in the good US of A. How are you, Michael?
4: I am good, great, grand. Wish I was in Paris for the final, but... History, personal history, my first ever Champions League preview show with Kay Golasso. I'm psyched. Can't wait to do the show.
1: I love it. I love it. Congrats, my friend. A pleasure to have you part of our team. Jonathan Johnson, Michael Lahu, James Bench, as we mentioned, James Bench and Jonathan Johnson in Paris. Michael LaHood, yours truly as well. we got the preview. We'll do a lot of stuff leading up to the final, of course. But let's get into it. This is a fantastic final with so much history. Before we get into it, we thought we'd have some fun. Des Norris brought up a good idea, our producer, because we thought, you know, what can make a better final than get more people angry? Let's post this on social and let's get people really mad at uh, uh, the four of us as well. So we decided to all of us, do a combined Champions League final starting 11 of Liverpool and Real Madrid. A few notes here, just before you'll start going off, because I'm sure this will be a social post and we'll have graphics and stuff. This is for the Champions League, okay? I know that a lot of you are thinking, oh look, but they did so well in Liga, they did so well in, in, in the Premier League. This is our Champions League starting 11 combined. I'm going to go last, I think, and I think I want to Get Michael LaHood to get us going here. Who is your combined starting 11 of Liverpool and Real Madrid?
4: Okay, I'm going to keep it short, keep it fast. In the back, Allison and goal, no questions about it. And from left to right, Robertson, Van Dijk, Alaba, Trent. Why? Because they're bosses. In the midfield, you can't have Champions League finals without Modric. Casemiro, the experienced Thiago, the pass master, and up top Salah, Big Ben's could be player of the season and Ballon d'Or nominee. And I'm gonna I'm gonna make headlines with Vinicius Junior. Flop those two wingers, but that's my Champions League final combined eleven.
2: Yeah, no, that's uh, really, uh, really raised the bar for me going into my one. I've tried to to tinker with mine uh, in, tactically, uh, differing from you in uh, in a few different positions, but tried to keep a bit of balance between Liverpool and uh, and Real. But Courtois in goal, I mean, I think he was just so key uh, in Real getting here. I couldn't see beyond him uh, for that position. Bit of tactical innovation with Fabinho playing in the defence, uh, but uh, you know, I I think as well when you're, we're so spoiled for attacking options, Benzema. I don't think there's going to be anyone who leaves him out of their 11, uh, you know, but I think Liverpool just shaded it for me with six instead of five.
3: I mean, I, I have a feeling that Jurgen Klopp, if he ever sees this, is going <laughs> to fume at you and say, why are you playing Trent Alexander-Arnold as a midfielder? You know, he's a, he's a <laughs> right back. And I mean, you know, coming to mind, I think I've kind of gone, actually, I think almost entirely by one exception, the same players as, as you, Jonathan. So, I've obviously gone for the correct 4 3 3 formation, but I've gone Courtois in goal. I think he's been the best goalkeeper in the Champions League uh, this season, both in terms of stats and just pure performance. Alexander Arnold, Ed Emilitao, I love him. I think mm. he's great, a bit old fashioned, but really solid centre back. Virgil van Dijk, Andrew Robertson, and then Fabinho, Thiago, and Modric. Midfield picks itself. And then, uh, of course, you've got to have Sadio Mane, you've got to have Mo Salah. Uh, and, and Karim Benzema through the middle as well. So uh, I think it picks itself, really.
1: I think it's a very good one, James Bench. I think all of you three did very well. Well done on all of you coming second, third, and fourth. This is the correct lineup. I do agree, James Bench. 4-3-3 three, three is the only way to go. First Ooh. of all, Thibaut Courtois has the most leadership statistically in this Champions League. You have to put him in there. Konate and Van Dijk, you can't tell me, right? In fact, the entire back line is Liverpool. OK, that's how good I think they have been in this competition. In the midfield, let's get that Brazilian duo and Casemiro and Fabinho because it's not one or the other. Let's get some strength and allow Luka Modric to do his thing. And up top, come on, Mohamed Salah, Kareem Benzema and Vinicius Jr. It took me all my might not to include Luis Diaz in this. But I'm just going to have those top three up there. But there you have it. So everybody out there, we're going to have this as a social post, I'm sure. I want your comments and I want your anger all of them mainly at Jonathan Johnson for having Trent Alexander-Arnold as a, as a right winger. But I love it. I love it. I love it. All right, let's move on. First of all, I mentioned that Jonathan Johnson and James Bench are in Paris. Jonathan Johnson lives there. Of course, so let's begin with you, Jonathan Johnson. Talk to me about the mood in Paris. How's it been leading up to this final? Are are people getting excited? Perhaps PSG fans are just uh, trolling both teams because both Liverpool and Real Madrid wanted Kylian Mbappé, but he's staying in Paris. But talk to me about the mood. How many Real Madrid fans, Liverpool, etc. It's
2: funny that you say that because I saw on Twitter uh, earlier today on the Thursday that we're, that we're recording some people calling for PSG Ultras to go and try and disturb the Real players in their hotel, except the hotel is in Chantilly, which isn't even in Paris. It's some you know, 50 kilometers away. So that'd be a bit of a trek for the Ultras just to go and troll uh, the players overnight. But no, it's, I mean, honestly, Thursday is probably not the best day to judge sort of uh, the mood in the city ahead of the final because it's a bank holiday. So there's not too many people out and about. I think things will start... To pick up on the, the Friday and Saturday, there's details starting to be confirmed, uh, fan zones, although James Benjamin and I are still waiting for the press conferences to be confirmed. But no, it's, uh, you know, w- whenever there's a big match uh, to be played in Paris, whether it's at Parc des Princes or Stade de France, you always will start to, to get a feel that there's a big game coming up sort of in the day before the match. So I certainly expect Friday, uh, you know, things to, to start heating up in uh, in Paris and fingers crossed that the weather stays good as well.
3: I mean, one quite, quite funny thing, and and I feel like this, I'm getting the classic Paris French experience by this. But, you know, as, as Jonathan mentioned, it's a bank holiday here today, which of course means that the public transport system is not functioning correctly. Although, correct me if I'm wrong, JJ, does it ever? (laughs)
2: <laughs> and that's a that, that's a good point and you're going to get the real crash course in being a parisian on saturday when the trains go on strike leading to the stadium Hooray!
3: <laughs> but,
2: but it, interestingly enough um obviously rather than get the train into
3: central paris and actually get there at a reasonable time we had to get a bus that dropped us right outside the stade de france and it was changed there very convenient if like me you need to go and pick some stuff up at the ground but you could also see that obviously some Liverpool fans and some Real Madrid fans have gone well you know if we're going to you know if they're going to drop us off here we may as well go and have a wander and see what it's about and you know it's a strange stadium I was trying to get pictures of it for for Twitter and again it's not a very easy on the eye stadium I mean it's brutalist architecture but you could already see the sort of the buzz building you know the the shops and the the bar the mini bars or whatever you want to call them were, were, were taking place and all the sponsors were doing their little sponsor art and all that it's quite exciting and amazing that you know normally you go around these a premier league or a league and ground a couple of days before the game and you wouldn't know there's anything happening at all but real real buzz around uh, Stade de France. so I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back there over the next few days
4: Here's a question for both of you. One of the things I, I love, and I'm just hearing you guys talk about this final, it, wishes I, it makes me wish I could teleport myself. Sorry, babe. I know that I love you. But I, I wish I could teleport myself there to be at this final with my wife, of course. And um, man, you
1: can tell you're a newly married man because <laughs> you don't want to make any mistakes right now. <laughs> Take plus, it for somebody with 10-plus years. That, that'll <laughs> die after two years. Don't worry. Oh, Go ahead, Michael. You. Keep going.
4: <laughs> but a question for both of you. One of the things I love about the Champions, especially the finals, is when just fan bases take over a city, have you started seeing Liverpool fans or Madrid fans or both infiltrate the Parisian you know, city of France or the other way around? <laughs> On my
3: way in, I, I, I saw fans, but I, I wouldn't say I've kind of seen... Groups gathering, yeah. I think one of the one of the strange. It's it's kind of hard to pick a host city. The last European final I was I was at was, was Baku, and um, where for kind of quite obvious reasons, this is like we were nearer to Baghdad than we were to London. There were not huge numbers of Arsenal and Chelsea fans, and it didn't kind of feel like they. But you still had spots that had kind of been taken over, but it wasn't like you know when maybe Atletico Madrid fans sweep into Manchester, which we saw earlier this year. I think the thing with Paris is maybe, and I mean, you you kind of have the same thing at Wembley. You can find if you know where to look or where to go or where to avoid, depending on what you're planning. You can find where all the fans are. You know, Trafalgar Square in London. I'm sure JJ knows exactly where not to go on Friday night in Paris. Um, But but these cities are so big that they can kind of contain the final. And we've got, you know, we've got the French Open happening at the same time as well, and and so many other things that you probably could spend this weekend in Paris and not really notice that the Champions League (laughs) final was on.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's always a special time of year. Like James said, with the French Open, a lot of people coming into Paris, uh, you know, sort of milling about very, uh, you know, rich in terms of its sporting heritage. I mean, something interesting, I'm glad Mike asked about it, is, uh, you know, there will actually be specific areas for uh, the Liverpool and Real Madrid fans. And I think the numbers that have been allotted to the two different teams is very, very telling about what Paris is expecting. It's my understanding that the liverpool fan zone will be able to basically house essentially you know quite a sizable football stadium's worth of supporters, and it'll be in an area where alcohol is readily available. Whereas the Real Madrid fans will have lower than lower than ten thousand capacity, closer to the stadium. But in an area, because if people don't know this about Stade de France, you can't actually buy alcohol outside of the stadium. You can only buy it inside. It's one of the quirks of uh, of going to, to to watch a game there. Uh, and you know, I think it's it's been quite ta- they've been quite tactically placed, and the majority of Parisian police. We'll probably be on alert somewhere in and around that uh, that that Liverpool fan zone, which I believe is going to be around Vincennes this weekend.
1: That is the most French thing I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. You can buy alcohol outside the stadium, but inside, do your thing. It's fine. Uh, have, have a drink.
2: Well, um... You know, you know, you know what? When I grew up going to games at Stade de France, you couldn't even buy alcohol inside the stadium. It was non-alcoholic beer. So people you know, who would be accustomed to drinking beer would just be, you know, swinging down some pretty rancid,
4: uh, non-alcoholic, uh, sludge. What, what,
3: what have we, what have I come in for? What?
4: <laughs> well, I, I take it back when I said, I wanted to teleport to this match. Now you've convinced yeah. me otherwise my couch like, is the best place.
5: Yeah.
3: This is fun the zone, worst. Zone.
1: Uh, uh. Yeah. This is the worst, uh, tourism promotional <laughs> thing for Paris right now, but Hey, everybody. Yeah. A fun fact here, obviously Roland Garros. uh, as uh, Jonathan Johnson uh, and everybody mentioned is still going the French Open is going on interestingly Rafa Nadal the Spanish tennis star is also going for his 14th title i believe he's a real madrid fan as well so that's a nice little coincidence all right let's uh, keep going here and let's talk about this final but let's talk about this final from A bit of a historical perspective. Uh, Obviously, we've discussed how successful Real Madrid is in this competition, going for their 14th title. Liverpool are no slouches, third in that list after AC Milan. Uh, He joined with Bayern Munich with six titles, but also it's important to remember on how they got here in the first place. I would venture to say, Michael Mm Lahoud, that Real Madrid, I think, have had a tougher run to the final. However... Liverpool's really busy schedule has not made it any easier. Your thoughts on leading up to the final. And I think the follow up question to that is how much of these two sides changed since 2018 when they met?
4: Mm. So I have a theory and I'm going to call it the Lahoud theorem and hopefully it wins me the Nobel Soccer Peace Prize and not the, the wrath of soccer fans around the world. And my theorem is this. Whoever has the tougher run into the Champions League final with the semifinals in particular has a knack and has a habit of winning the Champions League final. So if you're Real Madrid fans, that means you have the upper hand, because you are battle-tested. Having that tougher run-in prepares you for just about anything and everything. It's not exact, because Tottenham Hotspurs, by that theory, would have won the Champions League final last time Liverpool were in the final. But I've seen it happen time and time again since, I believe, 2005 was when the theorem was birthed. And I'm not going to say where I was and how old I was, because that makes me look really, really young or really, really old. Depending who's watching the show. But when it comes to this matchup, you have to have a Champions League hero and a talisman in your ranks. Real Madrid have that with Karim Benzema and Vinicius Jr. as just a breakout season for him. He's getting better in front of goals. And I know we'll break down the, the depths of which and the details which Madrid is just their success is built on. But to have a talisman, to have a player you can rely on in the face and the form of Kareem Benzema, that is going to prove pivotal in a final.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, it's an interesting theory, and uh, I don't disagree with it. I think, uh, you know, when it, when you're faced with a run uh, in the way that, that Real Madrid have, uh, you know, it, it really does prepare you, uh, you know, to to come up against the, you know, arguably the most inform, uh team in Europe at this moment in time in terms of the me- momentum that they've built up. But, you know, having also overcome City in the way that they did in the semis, uh, you know, I I I think Real Madrid are as well prepared for this game as they could possibly hope to be. And I think as well, something that we have to take into consideration when we're weighing up our predictions for this match is also potentially some of the, the absentees that that Liverpool might have on their side. Uh, you know, we know that Fabinho, Tiago Alcantara, uh, you know, they're running it or cutting it quite fine, uh, you know, in order to be fit enough to, to feature. I know Fabinho has been saying that he'll be ready for it, uh, you know, but Tiago, it sounds like it's going to be more touch and go. So, you know, I'm certainly mindful that the rail perhaps have an upper hand as well uh, because of that. But then you look as well at, at some of the, the recent performances of the Spanish sides against uh, English teams. Uh, you know, that one all the way back down there in 2006, Barcelona beating Arsenal as much as it would have pained James Bench. To think back to it, uh, you know, I, re- I recall that being, you know, one of the finals played at Stade de France when I was growing up in the in, in the Paris region, uh, and it's I think it's the last time that there was a final at uh, Stade de France, and of course, it's not even the first time that Real and Liverpool have met in Paris uh, if we're talking history, because back in 1981, Liverpool beat Real by one goal in the French capital, but that was before yeah. Stade de France yeah. even existed.
3: I mean, that's. I I think JJ makes a really good point about um, the the, the midfielders and and the potential doubts there, but equally, I think if we kind of go back to four years ago when these teams last met, the difference Liverpool have now is this staggering depth where you could take, I mean, Fabinho would be a huge loss and Thiago as well, but you you could replace them with, um, you know, with Curtis Jones, uh, Jordan Henderson. I mean, above all else, he's probably not a guaranteed starter if everyone's fit, but he could slot seamlessly into Fabinho's role and then, you know, I mean, you do have some really talented youngsters as well as the likes of Naby Keita, who can, can play in midfield as well. The thing that I'm, when we talk about history as well, the thing that intrigues me is is looking back to last season when we had, when, when they played in the, the quarterfinals. Now, obviously that Liverpool was very different because it had no Virgil van Dijk, no Joel Matip or Joe Gomez. Uh, And and, and Real Madrid really managed to exploit that. Long balls into the space Vinicius left. You saw, and I've written about this in my predictions column, you saw them almost flipping their midfield entirely um, with with Tony Cruz and Luka Modric playing right in front of the centre-backs and Casemiro further forward. Now, can they do that again and and hit these balls to Vinicius in behind Alexander-Arnold if they do that? That's a really effective avenue, but equally, you know, this time Liverpool can probably press. There's a bit more energy in this team because they've had, by their standards, a lengthy rest, and they've got a point to prove. Um, that's the sort of the sort of history that uh, that really intrigues me. And yeah, as I say, shameless pitching for my column, but uh, I've expanded on that a bit in there.
1: No, li- listen, uh, I- I've said this from day one. Pitch away. This is a shameless. Uh, uh, you know, free zone You can pitch as much content as you want All right, Jonathan Johnson interviewed Kylian Mbappé Akilafi, we went all out By the way, go on CBS uh, did, 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 I, did I?
2: Can you? Can you repeat that again?
1: Jonathan Johnson, the great Jonathan Johnson, sat down with Kylian Mbappé and they exchanged WhatsApp numbers. And I believe Mbappé invited him to Saint-Tropez as well. But, uh,
2: gonna... little, little little bonus, and I didn't include it in the written article. Mbappé told me how he craves scoring a goal in front of the whole end before the end of his career. I told him <laughs> that the first bite of a Balti pie in Birmingham would be life-changing. And it's written that at some point he's going to run out for Villa.
1: God bless <laughs> you, my friend God bless you Let's stay with Liverpool, everybody Bench, I'm jumping right back to you Give us the latest updates on this squad Jonathan Johnson mentioned it You've discussed it as well about the midfield But there are injury concerns Thiago Alcantara, who's been really good in this competition You know, he's cutting it fine As well as Fabinho Of course, talk to me uh, about the latest uh, squad situations With Liverpool and Jurgen Klopp side
3: I mean, you've kind of summarised it quite well there. In terms of Thiago, what what Jurgen Klopp said in the the first of the many pre-match uh, press conferences he has to had to do on Wednesday was that you know he was optimistic uh, and hopeful, but certainly I wouldn't treat anything as as guaranteed. With Fabinho, there's there's a little bit more confidence there. I believe that that he'll be able to play, and of course we know he is he is huge. Um, he came back to training, I believe, yesterday. Uh, And there's someone that can just drop in, anchor that midfield and and give them a spare body when there's pressure on. Fabinho is massive. Thiago didn't train, I believe, yesterday. Um, Liverpool have only flown out today. Uh, So he he will be a big doubt. Mo Salah as well was a bit in and out injury-wise. I remember there was quite a few awkward uh, deep breaths at the FA Cup final when he went down. But uh, obviously he managed to play half an hour and looked really good, I thought, against Wolves. Might even be that we actually see... A uh, slightly fresher, fitter Salah, you know, someone that's had the break that he basically has not had at all this year. Um, so it's not ideal. It's not a perfect, fully fit squad, but for this stage of a season, you two I want to. Liverpool look to be in decent health. On, Mike
4: Oh, sorry about that. I, I want to wind back the clock to nineteen eighty one. There's there's just, just something about this match that brings back nostalgia. Liverpool playing against Real Madrid and their injury crisis that was happening for Liverpool at the time. A one Kenny Dalglish, Alan Kennedy, striker, defender, doubts. Bob Paisley pushes the envelope and starts them anyways. They hadn't played for a few weeks ahead of the biggest match of the season. Liverpool do what? They go and they win the European Cup. Alan Kennedy scoring the winner in the 81st minute in 1981. Could history repeat itself with Liverpool? I love what you said, Benj, about Mohamed Salah and getting that much-needed rest because since he went to AFCON and he's come back, there's a reason why that production in front of goal has slowed down to the just blistering start that he had compared to it in the first half of the season. There's so many games that these players are playing and the season moves at breakneck pace. And the fact that he, he's getting a rest and he's gotten a rest that no one planned for sometimes is a player that recenters you it allows you to take a deep breath and allows you to get back in goal scoring form. And I think that's gonna have a big factor in this final.
2: You know what I love about you winding the clock back to 1981? I was born. You know, you know, yeah. you know who wins the European Cup the following year <laughs> <laughs> Um, they,
1: ev- hey, James, James, about, Gitch, James Bench. James oh, behind I, Bench. I just yeah. want to make something clear, James Bench. I have not mentioned Villa at all. It's been James. <laughs> James. If you get angry, it's it's him. He's been bringing it up. Mm. It's an important.
2: It's an important day today. It's 40 years. Yeah, 40 Freach, years to the day. Freach. Preach,
5: go
1: ahead, JJ.
2: <laughs> Let's go back to Liverpool before we lose more people. No, no, no I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to wind up uh, Benj and Mike here too much more. No. Got we've got the Villa quota ticked off for today. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, listen, um, here's an interesting thing. We, in part of our uh, Kegelassa content for the Champions League final, we had the great Jim Beglin join us as well, and you know, part of our commentary team for the Champions League, obviously a former Liverpool player as well, and he wanted uh, James Benja, James Milner. In the starting lineup. He thinks that mm. you know they need somebody that, you know, if Thiago Alcántara, of course, and Fabinho are like are not fully available, he likes the idea of Milner. What do you think of you know, having that kind of player starting, I guess, and within that, include your ideal setup for the Liverpool starting eleven against Real Madrid? Because we haven't even discussed the Colombian Luis Diaz, which deserves yeah. a really important <laughs> oh. mention.
3: Well, to be honest, with, with Diaz, and then I'll, I'll look back to, to what, what Jim Beglin was saying. But with Diaz, I kind of just take it for granted now that he will start. I think it's pretty established now that the front three is, is Mane through the middle, uh, Salah off the right, and uh, Diaz off the left. Mm. So Milner's an interesting one. I am, you know, I am a huge fan of Curtis Jones. I'm buying Curtis Jones stock. I'm inje- investing in Curtis Jones PLC. Uh, I will be a majority shareholder in it very soon. I think he's the perfect Liverpool midfielder. But the thing with Milner is I know I'm getting getting a seven out of ten, at least. Yeah. You know,
1: I might get a I get a ten. Yeah, I that's Jim's that's point. 10. Yeah, that's yeah. Jim's point. Keep going, Bench. Yeah.
3: I mean, I, he he is just Mr. Reliable. Um, the only thing is I I've got to make sure he's he's fit when it comes time to taking penalties. Because we if, if we've learned anything from Liverpool's season so far, it's that their cup finals will go down to penalty shoot. And I'll definitely want him to take one of them. I i think if you take... I think let's assume Fabinho is fit. In that case, uh, I would want Naby Keita. I think there will need to be a lot of work being done on pressing Modric, pressing Cruz when they drop deep. And then I want Thiago because he's just the best... Uh, I think he's the best midfielder in these two teams. Um, maybe Modric is ahead, but if he's not fit, if he's not fit, then, um,
1: I wasn't I mean, a cat Jordan by the Henderson way. That was Michael, is. a hood question. <laughs> Keep going Bench. Keep going.
3: If he's not fit, then Jordan Henderson isn't, isn't too bad. I mean, this is Henderson, Jones, Milner. I'd be perfectly happy rolling that as a, as a midfield treat in the Champions League final if I had to. So take your pick. I, I quite like that Milner idea, but I would go for Jordan Henderson if uh, Thiago wasn't fit. Won't be as much creativity centrally.
4: Mm. So I just, I, I I want to address the, I love the Thiago shout for second best midfielder. That's a slander to Luka Modric's name and what he's done in this Champions it, it, League run-up.
3: It, it's not, it's not like how they are. They are of a level. And I would put, you know, it is, if this is fifa ratings this is tiago's a 91 modric is a 92 like tiago is it, i think the the point is is because we madrid have have been doing everything in this stupidly spectacular fashion and mm. so we go oh my god that luca modric pass tiago plays like six of them a game it's just that, it, it, that what they do is they help liverpool generally grind their way to a pretty comfortable win against pretty ordinary opposition so, I mean, Modric gets the, the plus one for having done it against some of the best clubs in the world. But Thiago is kind of doing the same
4: stuff. Oh, I, I, there, are we, are
2: no... we going to point out, though, that Real only got past City once they changed their midfield around completely?
4: Trey, including Brandon Modric. Up. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Time, time, time. TV timeout. No one is saying anything wrong about Thiago. I think Thiago's a world class <laughs> midfielder. I think he's actually a midfielder who has found his form and is playing some of the best football he's ever played in a Liverpool shirt. But what Luka Modric has done at his age, the consistency and to be doing it at the level he's doing it, that's what gives the edge to him slightly. And he's healthy going into this final. But I digress because we're talking about Liverpool, not Madrid yet. With regard to that Liverpool midfield, this is why you have the depth. And this is what finals are all about. If you have even a 70% chance of playing one of your regular starters going into a final, you play him. Fabinho, I expect him to start. If I'm Jurgen Klopp, I play that man because he gives Jordan Henderson a different dimension Jordan Henderson, when he came to Liverpool, did not come in as a defensive midfielder. He came in as a box-to-box midfielder. Henderson's ability to press, his ability to make forward runs, runs out of midfield, almost decoy runs, is also his ability to serve from wide areas. That's an underrated part of his games. And it allows the Mohamed Salah to tuck in from that right-wing position and be more as a center forward or be more as a second forward in that front three. So I tackles expect-
1: one, by the way, Michael. Tackles yeah. one in the entire Champions League. Fabinho is third. I'm including Ooh. center backs here. It's a, it's, a, that's it's a, that's
4: massive. Yeah. That's massive. Uh, going against a, a Madrid team where you're gonna need someone to marshal the Tony Cruzes and also marshal a one Luka Modric just being a dynamo in the middle of the park. Fabinho in the middle, Henderson on the right. And if Thiago can't go, Nagbi Keita. I love the potential Milner shout but milner is in the team because of his leader he's in the he's in the ranks because of his leadership great locker room guy consummate professional and no yeah he he's exactly what you get on the, he's,
1: yeah I- exactly what it says on the 10 jonathan yeah. johnson right did you agree with that midfield what, what do you think jonathan
2: yeah well i'm i'm gonna take the the points that james and mike have made uh and i think if i'm jürgen klopp um which I could be. He's also born on the 16th of June. <laughs> he's, um, you know, I, I I, think I'd only be considering Fabinho as a potential starter. I wouldn't be risking somebody like Tiago. I think he's probably going to be looking at a bench role at best. And for Milner, James is absolutely right. You know, if you even have an inkling that you might be going to penalties, you're going to want to bring him on later on in the game, perhaps towards the end of 90 minutes, depending on how the game's playing out. I don't know, maybe sort of once once you hit the 70 minute mark and uh, and beyond, uh, you know, and I think you know for Fab- Fabinho's. Uh, importance to this Liverpool side cannot be underplayed. And I think it's mirrored as well by the fact that for Real, Casemiro, you know, also plays this, it's almost like this glue-like role. Uh, you know, the midfields look totally different when you have Fabinho on one side, when you have Casemiro on the other, uh, you know, and I think Casemiro kept coming back for that second leg against City, despite the way that Ancelotti changed things up. You know, I think that really benefited them and ultimately contributed towards the fact that they were able to reach this final. So for me, I think Fabinho, you've talked about it, still Statistically, we know in terms of the the performances that he's put in, how important he is. Uh, And I think that Fabinho being the closest to being fit for this game is going to be a big, big boost to to Jürgen Klopp. Because if he had to rejig without him, uh, you know, I I think that, you know, missing both Fabinho and Thiago would be a a bit of a big blow for, for Liverpool up against this Real side.
1: All right, we're going to take a break. Before we do that, all in agreement, Luis Diaz, Sadio Mane, Mohamed Salah, that's your starting trio up top for Liverpool, correct? Yes. 100%.
4: LMS. Yes. Yeah,
1: And then Diogo Jota on the bench is really not that shabby, actually. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, Jonathan Johnson, Michael Lahoud, James Bench, LME. When we come back, Real Madrid. Unbelievable stuff. The team that never dies. It's unbelievable just the fact that they're in the final and then we'll do some predictions and uh, some other conversations, final thoughts,
0: and that will be it. Champions League final preview. Kigo Lasso will be right back. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, Marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit RobertHalf.com today.
5: Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool, it's your online business partner from launch to success. That's T A I L O R B R A N D S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands.
1: Hey, everybody, welcome back to Gigolasso, our Champions League final preview. Michael, who Jonathan Johnson, James, Bench, LME. We are here discussing. Saturday's game, which, by the way, you can watch exclusively on Paramount Plus and CBS Sports as well as CBS Sports HQ and all the coverage as well on Kegolas. So Don't you forget it. Right after the game, we'll have a recap. Before the game, we'll have some info and some fun stuff. We're all over this, obviously, as we close down the Continental campaign. Coverage starts at 1.30 Eastern, CBS, Paramount Plus, CBS Sports HQ. We are everywhere, baby. I can't wait to... See what will entail in this fantastic game. We've talked Liverpool. Let's talk Real Madrid, who have won La Liga. And Carlo Ancelotti, our friend Jimmy Conrad, always calls him the player whisperer, and you really can't deny that. Players love to play for him. He is so popular. And aside from that, he will look to make history to win his fourth Champions League title. Unbelievable passing. Bob Paisley, the great Bob Paisley from Liverpool. And Cinedine Zidane, obviously, who won it with the same club. All right, Jonathan Johnson, let's begin with you for a second. There was a little bit of a sliding door situation, which was interesting before we get into it. Max Allegri turned down Florentino Perez to rejoin Juventus, and there came in Carlo Ancelotti leaving Everton to come and re-manage once again Los Blancos. I mean, incredible happenstance, no? The fact that this happened in an unbelievable season from Carlo Ancelotti on his Real Madrid side.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I I don't think you'll find too many people who who, who can speak ill of, of of Ancelotti. You know who he is as a person and and also as a coach. Uh, you know, and I, I think it's nice as well to to see that he hadn't kind of lost his touch because, you know, many of us, my, myself included, were asking that after some quite unsuccessful spells with the likes of Bayern, Napoli, uh, and then him taking the the surprise decision to to go and join Everton, returning to the Premier League after that spell with Chelsea. But for him, you know, to to come back and take over Real in the in the way that he did, uh, and suddenly lead them on this uh, on this surge, I mean. In one way, I think that he has been very opportunistic in the fact that La Liga has been a bit of a different place uh, this last season. Atletico Madrid haven't been the the power that they once were. uh, And Barcelona had, you know, basically had to write off the first half of the season, although they did improve in the second half. But, uh, you know, I don't think that you can take away from the way that Ancelotti has you know, sort of galvanize this squad uh, in Europe. You know, they they suffered a few patchy results earlier on, you know, the loss to Sheriff, for example. But, you know, once they got into that knockout round, it's almost like... You know, the bar was set when the the draw was redone and they pulled PSG out of the hat the second time around. And then since then, they've been in sort of battle mode, the same sort of mindset that that saw them win three consecutive titles uh, under Zinedine Zidane. Uh, You know, and I think as well, you know, this really is sort of the last of that epic vintage, uh, you know, that Real had when they won those three back-to-back titles. I really honestly don't think that you're going to be able to squeeze that much more out of the current crop of players. I mean, okay, you know, Benzema, you know, I for me, I think he's going to win the Ballon d'Or. You know, we'll know more about that later this year when the candidates come out in August. Mm. Uh, But I, I think there's still a good, you know, maybe two years left in him. I'm not so sure for, for the likes of Modric and Cruz. Seems like he's sort of on course to, to check out a bit earlier than some of these these other guys. But you know, if you want somebody to sort of oversee that kind of transitional period and maintain uh, you know, a level of uh you know Success, uh, you know. I, I think Ancelotti is the, the the kind of ideal guy to do that. I don't think that Real would have been here if they'd appointed somebody like an Allegri, uh, you know. And I think as well for for Ancelotti, he's got a bit of unfinished business coming back to Paris, given the way that his PSG spell ended, uh, you know. And I think you know we also forget. Because he's achieved so much in his career and, and Real Madrid have won so much as well. You know, Ancelotti is actually the guy that ended the drought, the the famine, the the desire to to get La Decima. He was the the man who brought them home despite a lack of domestic success. And that's why he was finally able to write himself into history at the second bite of the cherry, uh, you know, by being the the, the coach who's won the the top the title in all of the top five leagues.
3: I, I find him quite a quite a contradictory manager because I mean, obviously, we uh, JJ was saying, was saying that he has a reputation for being a Champions League specialist, even though he has now achieved this unique uh, status in, in the top five European leagues. But the way he's a Champions League specialist, I mean, we, we kind of think of these games as ultra-tactical, you know, the great minds of coaching going against each other. He just lets his players get on with it. I mean, yeah. you know, he, he does make shrewd adjustments. As, as JJ was mentioning earlier, it was a ballsy move to take off Luka Modric and bring on Eduardo Camavinga and let him run the game. But I think it, it paid off because, you know, this is a guy that, that just imbues his players with a sense that, that their manager trusts them. Absolutely. I think even whether, when they're not playing a lot, you know, you go and talk to people that were at Chelsea for his two seasons and it was a it was a happy squad uh, from, you know, the, the regular starters to the people on the fringes. They just all enjoyed being there. And I think sometimes in in the football world, we may be just sort of guilty of downplaying all these soft factors that in our own life, you know, there could be scarcely be a more important. It's why Roman attribute.
1: Abramovich, it's why Roman Abramovich actually got rid of him. He thought that he was siding way too much mm-hmm. with his players at Chelsea. Yeah. Uh, keep going, James Bench, but yeah, that's but a it, good point. But,
3: but, but in, when we all go to work, you know, everyone listening to this as well, what could be more important to you than your boss kind of understanding you and getting on with you and, and being able to manage you as a person and understand you're a human being as well as yeah, are you listening, right CBS Sports
1: is. process? Be nicer.
3: <laughs> this is all just this is all me building up to saying that Mike Goodman is the Carlo Ancelotti of US sports <laughs> <laughs> media. Oh,
1: oh God! Please don't say as that. Mike Goodman. Uh, Mike will retweet the hell out of right. this if that <laughs> happens. <laughs>
2: It's all about that pay rise, baby. Well, is, 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 but, it, but is Mike Carlo Ancelotti at Everton or uh, Carlo Ancelotti uh, in, in his prime with Real Madrid?
5: Wouldn't, oh, yeah.
3: wouldn't he be in an
2: utter disaster at Everton? And
3: I, I think you could almost make the case that if Frank Lampard was a better manager for, the, for that situation than, than Carlo Ancelotti because sometimes it does need a firm hand on the tiller. It needs someone to go, no, Alex Iwobi, you're playing right wing that. You know, Carlo wouldn't have done that. He wouldn't have thrown Iwobi into such an uncomfortable situation. But I can't believe I've got Alex Iwobi onto the Champions League (laughs) final podcast. But, you know, this is the ideal team for Ancelotti, isn't it? It's a team that can kind of coach itself, that can ensure that base standards are met. And he can sort of, he can just make it a happy, productive environment. The other thing that I would want to say on Real Madrid, and I'm sure we'll come to talk about, um, we'll come to talk about how they got here a little bit as well. But I really do have to say this can't keep happening. Like, it, it, it's just magic. And I, I know what Mike said that, you know, the team that, that make it there the hard way, they often are the team that end up winning. But then there is also the, the team that make it to the final but definitely shouldn't have because they've only been ahead <laughs> for a half a dozen minutes across the whole knockout stages. Like, at some stage, that's going to catch you up. And I, I do fear that will happen. I don't
1: know, James. Team. You've been mm. saying this the entire season. <laughs> yeah. and it's still <laughs> happening. <laughs>
4: Oh, man. Well, I'm going to say this about Carlo Ancelotti when we, we go back, call him the player whisperer that Jimmy Conrad has. One of the things that he does, if you look throughout the DNA of all his Champions League winning teams, it's two things. He gets a spine and a core of experienced players and he gives responsibility, the R word, over to those players. You get to do that when you have players who know a thing or two about winning And it starts with winning in the domestic league. It starts with winning cups. And then it bleeds over into the Champions League. When you're in crisis, who are you going to call? Not Ghostbusters. You call Ancelotti to fix the problem. And what he also does is he mixes in with those experienced players. He's willing to give responsibility to young stars in the making. At Milan, he did it with Kaká. And he's doing it with Vinicius Jr. Vinicius Jr. We knew this guy had the talent. He's just a, a dribbling merchant before step over step overs. But now, what Vinicius is doing, there's an end product. That's been one of the biggest criticisms to his game. Now, this guy was one of the league leaders in assists in La Liga, also one of the league leaders in goals. And in the Champions League, he's one of the leaders in assists as well, being the supply line to a one Kareem Benzema, who is leading the competition in goals. Every Batman needs a Robin. And I think Vinicius Jr., with what Carlo Ancelotti, the belief he's put in this young man's hands, I think he will be the difference maker should Madrid win this match.
1: Yeah, there's a great moment in the PSG game when PSG took that second goal, Kylian Mbappé scored in... Uh, The uh, second leg And everybody thought Oh man Here here," Well Real Madrid are out And behind Carlo Ancelotti Is Rodrigo The Brazilian winger And he just signals With his hands It's okay Calm down He Not not Ancelotti Rodrigo did that And I always remember That moment Because it makes me Think that This is what Carlo Ancelotti does And this is what Real Madrid does They they, they, It's okay They will figure it out It's kind of incredible. Just how resilient and how, I mean, I said it with Jim Beglin. The thing is, Liverpool have an identity. They're heavy metal. They're in your face. So attractive to watch. They keep the ball well. Real Madrid's identity is to rip off that identity of the opponent and they'll do it at any point, which is why, uh, you know, when we get into predictions, Jim Beglin said it's prediction. He's in prediction limbo. He ultimately went with Liverpool. It's, this has been the hardest final for me to predict just because I don't know Exactly, what's going to happen? James Bench does make a good point. At some point, this, you know, aura, this magic, has to just go away. I just don't know. So we're saying
2: it's going to be like the moment at the end of Scooby Doo when they unmask the bad (laughs) guy. Yeah,
1: exactly. (laughs) And I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you, pesky (laughs) Liverpoolians. That's right. All right. Well, so okay. So who's Real Madrid lining up then? Okay, is it is it as obvious as we think then, uh, Michael LaHood? Is it you know? You know, the back line could be a little bit tricky because obviously I'm looking at those, you know, uh, the wing, the wings. You know, you got Andy Robertson on one side, Trent Alexander-Arnold as well on the other. So it's going to be issues as well for the likes of Danny Carvajal, etc. You know, the midfield speaks for itself, I guess. Tony Cruz, Casemiro, Luka Modric. Valverde is the one that I'm thinking, will he start, you know, in order to, you know, do this battle against Andy Robertson? What do you think? Is there anything surprising from the Real Madrid lineup, you know, as we head into this final.
4: I, I think you're not going to see any surprises. Carlo Ancelotti, with, with Valverde starting at right wing, we've seen him start at center midfield. That was that's probably been one of the few wrinkles he's put in this season for Los Blancos. Consistency is what Ancelotti believes in. He believes in rewarding players who have done the business for him. When Rodrigo came into Real Madrid, he came in initially as a center forward, and he's transformed himself into. Just that impact sub and now a starter for them. He's been a man in such rich vein of form, whether coming off the bench or starting. This guy is scoring goals. This young player is scoring goals. It's going to be a samba affair on the wings. I mean, they wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Rodrigo scoring those two just massive goals, setting up the mantle for Kareem Benzema to do what he's done.
2: Yeah, I'm expecting this one to go similarly to the game against City. I don't think that it'll be as rich in terms of goals, but... To me, Valverde starting where he did on the right uh, and then potentially moving centrally into the midfield, you know, could be of major importance. It wouldn't surprise me if this one is tight enough to go to extra time. Uh, and I think having Valverde already on the pitch and able to slot in in midfield if he needs, to, if Ancelotti needs to rejig, uh, you know, the, the the midfield of Modric, Casemiro, and Coz, uh, you know, I, I think that one works well. I mean, I think there's always a danger as well when you have somebody who is such an ideal impact substitute and then you look at them scoring and think well, you know, if I if I start them in the next game maybe they bring that scoring form into the match from the very beginning. It very rarely works out that way. Uh, I think that Rodrigo would be ideal to, to send on sort of after the hour mark uh, you know, and that way he's a bit more dangerous I mean, for me, the only real question mark would be regarding the defence because we didn't see Militao and Alaba start together in the second leg against City and obviously, uh, you know both have, uh, you know, a, a good good amount of experience at this level, but both had their moments where they were put in difficulty uh, against City and they're going to have another tough time uh, up against this Liverpool attack. Carvajal on the right as well. He'll definitely be targeted. I think Fernand Mendy played out of his skin in that second leg against City, but I, I certainly think that Liverpool will be looking at both sides, thinking that they can get in behind. So if I was Ancelotti, I don't think there'd be too many changes I'd be looking to make just perhaps, you know, being, doubly sure about who I want to, to pair in the central defence. Because Nacho, you know, as unspectacular as he is, did did a fairly solid job against City in that second yeah, leg. He
3: did. Yeah, I almost wonder if you might be tempted to bring Nacho in at right back and just keep it solid if you're coming up against Luis Diaz Because we've seen, I mean, this, these kind of games can often devolve into find the the weak link and hit him over and over again. And if if you think that Luis Diaz is not going to have fun against Danny Carvajal, I hate to say, you're going to to be in for some real surprises. The other option as well, maybe, is to bring in Lucas Vazquez uh, and actually kind of play to pin Liverpool's wing-backs and Liverpool's forwards even further back up the pitch and go for it. I mean, it was something that Zinedine Zidane did really well. I'll keep going back to this. When they played last year, and I know a lot has changed but these quick, aggressive balls out to Vasquez, who was sort of a right back come right winger, and Vinicius on the other on the other flank. They did a lot of damage in terms of getting Real Madrid in behind those Liverpool uh, fullbacks slash wing backs. And that's the only thing that that I wonder about playing players like Rodrigo or Vasquez, or you know someone like that is, could you give yourself more going forward than the risk you take defensively? by swinging for a bit more and trying to hit the spaces in behind Robertson and Alexander, I don't think that will happen. I think you guys are right. It will probably be the 11 we, we all know and love.
4: I think what what both these teams we can all agree on, both these teams are spoiled for having impact subs off the bench. I think whichever manager can get the most out of their subs will win this game. Camavinga has been an impact player, one of the unsung heroes for his Madrid team. And also, I mean, you could Diego Jota, Bobby Firmino, the forgotten man of this year with the entrance of Luis Diaz. But I want to shift to a quick story about a one Mr. Ancelotti a guy that I played for, Alessandro Nesta, played for Encelotti, won this competition, not once, but twice. With him, told me this story, in the run-up to the 2007 Champions League final, they they all got into a room, and they said, Hey, boss, mister, who are we going to pick as a starting, leading striker? Alberto Giardino had gotten them to the final, playing against Liverpool, revenge match on their minds, and everyone... Their jaw dropped when Ancelotti pulls out the starting line of the day of the match and he puts people and Zaghi who he couldn't score in the Atlantic Ocean standing at the beach that season. <laughs> what does people and Zaghi do? Everyone thinking Ancelotti is crazy. I remember Nesta saying they were begging him here, him, Pirlo, Maldini, begging him, put Gilardino in. Ancelotti says, no, I've just got a feeling about people. <laughs> what does he do? He wins in the Champions League. Yeah, that's why right. Ancelotti noticed that people in Zaghi, whenever his contract had been on the line, he scores goals. He <laughs> performs. And that's why he started them. This guy is a genius, and he'll figure <laughs> that, out I, something I, to do. I just wanted to share that story. That's a great. I, story.
2: I love I love the I love the idea of like you know, the, the prime AC Milan players just surrounding Ancelotti. The hand the hand <laughs> gestures <laughs> must have been off the scale.
1: Yeah. <laughs> And Ancelotti's like (laughs) Drinking a cappuccino Inside
4: (laughs) 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 Crazy He said he knew because of This guy performs when money's on the line I was like wow what a story
1: yeah, Des Norris has a quick one. He lost 200 pounds in that game because uh, the goal bound Pirlo free kick bounced off Insagi's uh, butt and uh, and he lost 200 pounds. Des Norris is still really bitter about that. Great story, Michael Ahud. All right, let's wrap up everything here. You cannot complain. What an episode. Fantastic stuff, everybody. Let's uh, be quick about this one, if we can. I know it's a deep question, but I do want to know everybody's answer before we give our predictions. But, you know. Real Madrid going for the 14th, Liverpool going for their 7th. There's So much history, so much at stake. There's been a lot of a buildup leading up to this. Real Madrid losing P- uh, to PSG in the Kylian Mbappé race. Liverpool losing the Premier League title to Manchester City. You know, so I-, I think that in some way, both these fan bases want a great ending to wrap everything up. Who needs this more, however? Who needs this final more, Jonathan Johnson?
0: eBay Motors is here for the ride. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: Yeah, that is uh that 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 is a quite a loaded question. Um I mean I can, I think you can make an argument that that you know the both sides do you know significant in need it. Obviously Liverpool will be majorly motivated to take revenge after what happened a few years back in Kiev, but uh you know also Real I mean I think I think if you may anyway Honestly, you can really make a strong argument for either one, but I think Real, based on what's happened over the last week or so, you know, need need a pick me up of some sort, something to sort of replenish their their image. And I'm not talking about you know just going out and signing anybody. I mean, they've been linked with uh, Churmini, although it sounds like the talks to sign him from Monaco have slowed down a little bit. But you know, I think in terms of everything that's happened in the last week or so, Real. But overall, I think you know Liverpool are you know. Sort of equally as uh, as deserving. To be honest, my my view on Ray and their their journey to get here is is that like Benj, you know, they're kind of fortunate to have gotten here. It's been entertaining, of course, but uh, you know, I, I think that the fact they've already reached the final is uh, is is remarkable enough.
3: I, I think JJ's kind of downplayed really the the Mbappe of it all. I don't know if, if you know that he he interviewed him earlier this week. Um, but it's, um, I, I think what we kind of have to remember is is how Real Madrid will have constructed this week in their head. And it wasn't just about coming back with the Champions League. In fact, you know, I don't think this is how football clubs and football fans should think. But I think we also have to acknowledge the truth that right now I think if you said to a lot of Real Madrid fans, would you rather cut your team return from Paris with the 14th Champions League trophy or Kylian Mbappe? I think a lot of them, maybe the more online community, would say they'd rather have Mbappe. I,
1: I think the younger fans, uh, definitely. Yeah. The, oh, yeah, the, the, the I, 17-year-old Real Madrid fan who started supporting them because of FIFA will definitely say that. But I think the 60-year-old Real Madrid fan will say, hell no, I want the 14th. Yeah,
3: title. yeah. And I agree with the 60-year-old, but I don't think we can sort of act like, particularly for a team like Madrid. I went too far it, off as yeah, well.
1: 45 maybe? Yeah. 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 I, I think
3: for a, for a team like Madrid, they define themselves as much, you know, it's the silverware in part, but it's about we get the best players. Yeah, and the galactic thing. Of, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
3: If they end this week, as it, or, you know, these seven days as being a period where they didn't get the biggest trophy or the biggest player, I think it becomes a little bit humiliating. And I mean, I think especially because, you know, this is Mbappe. This has been the dream and the obsession. And you talk to people, you know, when when Spurs were signing on, when Arsenal were signing Martin Erdegaard, you go, oh, OK, how are Madrid going to replace it? And it's, you know, let's scurry all that money away in our Mbappe fund. It was like they were saving for their dream house. And their dream house is gone. And now Florentino Perez is like walking around in in his loungewear, Walking around his big mansion in Madrid, trying to work out what his life should be about now that the one he wanted has got away. And I think if you can't, at the very least, like have a little Champions League trophy to to take the edge off it, it it becomes awful. Whereas Liverpool, you know, it's been a, it's been an outstanding season, and I think in a way their fans have really enjoyed getting these moments at Wembley um, that they haven't had in a while, haven't, haven't had under Klopp. So I think they'll they'll be a little bit happier. Um, if they lose, the, the Madrid fans will. Win. I just want to watch El Chiringuito. If Madrid lose, Mbappe <laughs> and it will explode.
1: No, the, the actual studio will explode. Like it, it just will explode. <laughs> I think.
3: Tic Tac will literally be the until they're all and the guys literally spontaneously come up.
1: Ama el fútbol,
4: <laughs> Michael. Oh, but so I, I, I want to address the. You know, I think. I love what you said about the sixty-year-old versus seventeen-year-old. We can add the the the, the those born in nineteen eighty-one as well into that group of. It's what you do now. You can't predict the future. No one knows what impact Kylian Mbappe would have had had he signed. That's not a guarantee. There's been world-class players who have had the potential who have gone to Real Madrid and have flopped a plenty. So yes, Kylian Mbappe. You know, Would that have been a great signing? Absolutely. He's arguably the best player in the world. Just a highlight reel for goals and assists. But I just want to say that because it's what you do now. This Real Madrid team, make no mistake about it. Players come and go. They're, just like there's a saying, this is Anfield, when you walk out, there's also a saying at Madrid, nobody is bigger than Real Madrid. The Champions League is synonymous with Real Madrid. This trophy means more to them than just about any player in the world, Kylian Mbappe being a very close second. So should they not get the trophy, it'll be disaster central. But also equally for Liverpool, let's look at their body of work because I I just want to challenge that claim to it being a great season for Liverpool. If you don't get the Champions League and you've come so close to winning the Premier League. You've come so close to winning the Champions League. Do you want to know what type of prizes you give for second place?
1: Well, in the Premier League, you did FA it a Cup, <laughs> EFL, Look, you, FA Cup, you, EFL Cup.
4: The FA F- Cup, th- EFL, th- EFL th- Cup. If they do the double in just those, is that a great season?
3: Yeah, because they, they reached the, the Champions League final. They pushed, arguably, I would still say, the best team in Europe in City. They pushed them to the last minute, and I know that, that that doesn't come with a trophy. You don't get a trophy for that. But I think you kind of have to take a step back. And and also, I think the thing is, we we in the media tend to measure it on results. I think Liverpool fans would say, look at these, how many blistering highs this season has given us. Look at how we've improved from where we were a year ago. The fact that they didn't get the prem, if they end it without the Premier League and the Champions League, doesn't change the fact this has been spectacular. And a great season, even by the standards that Liverpool set not just by the standards that any other club set great exceptional everything and I I, I would disagree with you that I,
5: mm.
3: even if they lose even if they lose heavily on Saturday night I think it's been a great Liverpool season
1: it's not also to forget the fact that we the media hyped the quadruple we the media made Liverpool th- give this pressure I think had none of that existed you could be like Liverpool went to the final they came second just lost it on the final day but they won the League Cup and they won the FA Cup a pretty good season but it's, it's because of the narrative, right? They're going for the quadruple. They're going for the quadruple. They're going for the quadruple. And ultimately, they don't get it. Then in our heads are thinking, what a massive failure. Well, they have two pieces of silverware as well. It's a good argument from both sides. But, uh, you know, it's, it's intriguing to think about. All right, but we're all in agreement. Real Madrid needs this more. Jonathan, you had a question, I believe.
2: Well, yeah, it didn't. It is linked to what James was saying about Florentino Perez earlier and the importance of Real Madrid winning this. Because if you look at the last couple of years that Perez has overseen with Real, yes, they have the La Liga title this season, but. It's been. It's not a very flattering list of achievements, especially when you take into account the push to join the Super League, the the unapologetic stance uh, regarding that. And I wonder if you know if they lose this Champions League final on top of missing out on Mbappe's signature. You know, if suddenly the the popular opinion starts to turn against Perez, and if that is perhaps that you know the beginning of Real needing to move towards somebody who's perhaps considered more of a. I know more of a modern president of the club, as we're just wondering what you guys thought on that quickly.
1: Go ahead, open question. If, if, ben, he, if you want he, to jump
0: in,
2: I, I suppose I, I
3: don't disagree with any of that, but I just know how he'll get out of it, which is he will sign someone. I, yeah. I, I, I mean, I wrote, <laughs> I wrote about this, you know, it'll be Mo Salah or it'll be someone like that. I, yeah. I think that there are, that, that's what he will do, but like like Jonathan says, there are these deep structural issues, you know. Real Madrid is is financially not a rosy position, despite, you know, not really spending a lot of money on players, you know, huge project at the Santiago Bernabeu that needs paying for, their finances do not look easy. They will still, even when Gareth Bale's wages come off, they'll have, you know, players like Eden Hazard on there that they don't want to play and they pay an awful lot of money.
1: James, um, probably why they tweeted today, Real Madrid tweeted that, uh, by the way, everybody, we're the most valuable team in the world. That's probably like some good PR there, right, James? Bench? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I mean, well, those, it's a very No, I'm agreeing guy. with you. I'm agreeing with you. I'm saying that that's a counter to like yes. the, the reality. It's, 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 it's sweetening the Spanish government up so when they go exactly a right, in hand to yeah. ask for some more money. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. exactly right. Now, listen, I, I'm James Bench is 1,000% correct. The way that Florentino but, uh, by the way, uh, Jonathan, the way that you said Perez. I, I appreciate the, <laughs> the accent on Spain. I'm Peruvian. I will never do that. Florentino Perez, the, the way that he does this is by signing a big player. I expect a big signing here. More than just uh, Chumeny, I think. I think there's going to be somebody else. In there coming in. Um, could, could and,
2: it could it be a Mane? I know we're talking about him.
1: Making, we don't know. Uh, Sadio Mane at the end of his conference said, I will talk about my future after the final. I don't know if that's because he's just being diplomatic and wants to focus on the game. James Bench is shaking his head. Listen, uh, not every amazing player can stay in England, James Bench, as much as you and I wanted to. I, I think, from England. I think <laughs> it's gonna be Son. I've got no there's no Ooh. reporting, there's
3: no nothing. I think it should it should be and might be Son. I think the time is wow. right. He's a little wow. bit younger than, but wow. she's
1: a little bit older than Salah. Um, but I good. mean, we have said right that human son deserves that kind of uh, appraisal and and the co-winner of the the golden boot. It's nothing to do with the fact that James Bench is also an Arsenal fan. But anyway,
3: get this man out of the Premier League.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I was about and, to and, say. And,
2: and, it, and, it, and it reinforces that the Spurs are kind of like a
4: feeder club to Real Madrid. Modric ooh, Bale.
0: Ooh. <laughs>
4: <laughs> it's in the pipeline. It's in the <laughs> works. To 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 Just to, to talk about the Perez. Um, I can't do the accent, so I'm not even going to try. Just It was like my Burma, Birmingham accent. I'll just stop right there. Yeah, what the hell there.
1: is that? Now, keep <laughs> going before we, we put you up, Mike. No,
4: I, I, I think Perez, he's found ways to reinvent himself during his tenure with Real Madrid. Started with Los Galacticos. He's done it by hiring managers. He's done it by getting players. He will find a way. I, I think that the issue will not be Perez no one's bigger than the club, except maybe Fiorentino Perez. This guy, I mean, he is Real Madrid. They should. I wonder at what point should he get a statue or something with what he's done? I think it'd be a rash move to try and force him out or start that campaign just yet.
1: No, that won't happen. He's going to sign a big player. And I, you know, now that James Bain has added a human son in there, I can't stop thinking about it now. It's going mm-hmm. to be kind of interesting to think. All right. We're going to wrap this up because it's been a fantastic, packed episode, but it must end, of course. And we're going to end it with predictions. Boys, uh, you know, you you just got to go to cbsports.com. You can read uh, Jonathan Johnson and James Bench's content, and we have our predictions in there as well. So let's not dwell too much in here. It, it, maybe it's as obvious as it is. I'm not sure. Give me your predictions for this game prediction limbo is beglin called it i don't know as we get closer to the day has it become easier michael Lahuda, i'll begin with you give me your predictions who wins this game
4: god i was hoping you'd make me go last um i these two teams they score goals and, and they tend to score them in big games when it matters most there's something about three two that just feels right right now but also you know like i said i Getting a good night's sleep for the next couple of nights before the final could change my mind. But 3-2, I think the guys coming off the bench, I think it'll be goals late that decide this match, but 3-2. 2? To who did you say? Three. Oh, three. Oh, geez. <laughs> ah, man. Madrid. <laughs> this
1: is why this game is so hard. He yeah. forgot to even pick the actual I know, winner. I know. I'm, I'm so, I just don't. Just, want- just,
2: just, just throwing, mad, throwing a mad scoreline out there with no yeah. winner.
4: <laughs> well, it, it's it's the build-up. He's got to do the build-up. Yeah. Tomorrow, I'll have the winner, and then I'll have goal scores day before the match.
1: Nah. Give me the winner right now. Who's winning 3-2? Uh,
4: Real Madrid. Okay, there you go.
1: James Bench. Well all the, I think
3: everyone's a winner in this final. I'm gonna do the Mike <laughs> LaHoose and not critic. Everyone is a winner. You get a participation, um, yeah. it's like
1: Oprah, you get a car, you get a car. Yeah, go ahead, Badge. I can't remember if
3: it's from The Simpsons or Future Armor or whatever, where it goes, Everyone is a winner. Or in many ways, everyone is a winner. In a more accurate <laughs> way, Liverpool are gonna be the winner. Uh, I I filed it as three one. So I think three
1: one to Liverpool. There you have it. Jonathan Johnson.
2: Yeah, I'm going to stick with the, the the theme of there being goals on both sides. Um, I'm undecided as to whether this one will go beyond 90 minutes or not. I think I ended up going for a Liverpool 2-1 win, uh, and I'm going to stick with that. It really wouldn't surprise me if it, uh, you know, perhaps sneaks uh, beyond 90 minutes. But I'm also just kind of hoping that I'm downplaying it and that the chaos grenade gets unpinned again. and we get some wild four draw that then ends up 7-6 after extra time or something like that. But uh, for me, I think that Liverpool will ultimately come out on top, but only just.
1: Yeah, no, I'm with you on everything except for the actual outcome of the winner. I hope that I see a lot of goals. I think it's going to be within 90 minutes. I don't know why. I hope it's 3-2, like Michael LaHood said, but I don't know. I think there's something about this game that tells me that it's going to be concluded within 90 minutes. I'm also going for a 2-1, but you know what? This story of the Champions League has been about a team that just, it doesn't matter what's in front of them. They're going to do it. And I think, I think, and it's been very difficult for me to do this, but I think it's going to be Real Madrid winning 2-1. So we'll see what happens in the end. And by the way, I've been wrong a lot this entire season. So you know, don't ever expect that this is going to happen. All right. But there you have it. What a tremendous, tremendous champions league preview. Michael LaHood, Jonathan Johnson, James Bench. Make sure to follow them all on Twitter. Read James Bench and JJ's content on CBS sports. Michael LaHood is part of our team. Every single week at Mike LaHood, at John underscore the gossip at James Bench. Final thoughts before we say goodbye. Thank you, gentlemen. What a great preview. Jonathan Johnson, final thoughts, my friend.
2: Yeah, just, uh, you know, really hoping that it lives up to the billing. Uh, Really looking forward to to finally working alongside James Benj after a long time of being in the same team and now finally getting to meet some of my my CBS colleagues. It's been a long time coming, and I'm really excited for this weekend and how it plays out. And funnily enough, It'll be a career-first Champions League final for me as well. Oh, fantastic, Jonathan. I'm 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 lucky enough to have covered some some great games, uh, you know, over the course of my career so far, but never a Champions League final. So something new to take off.
1: Great. I'm glad that the French uh, trained uh, public transportation system uh, concurs with you and makes it even harder for you. That's, uh, that's fantastic. Well, maybe
2: the players will go on strike when in France. <laughs> why not?
1: That, that is true. By the way, I love the fact that you two are meeting physically for the very first time. Don't disappoint each other, right? Wear a suit, look nice for each other. Make it make it like a date. Uh, oh, I'm,
2: I'm <laughs> might, I might even shave, especially for Ben.
3: Wow.
1: Yeah, there you have it. James, Bench! James, thank you so much, buddy. Final thoughts, James.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, I, I I don't show for any man, even Jonathan Johnson. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, it's gonna be a I, I'd say it'd be a career highlight for me. But as we all know, my career highlight, was my first Europa League final. You know, <laughs> long may that continue. But yeah, I mean, this is you know this is I I feel like if you were picking the two teams, sorry, AC Milan. But if you were picking two teams from across history that you would want competing in a Champions League final, I don't think we could have got. Two better ones than this one. It is the the classic European final, and uh,
2: what a privilege it's going to be to be there. What, a, what, what about the 1982 winners? <laughs>
1: <laughs> James, James, I didn't even tell oh, him man. to say that. I didn't even tell him to say
3: that. I can't even bring up Arsenal because it <laughs> yeah. yeah. no, no, it's no, it's, no, so you know, you it's so beautiful. Yeah. It's so beautiful. And I'm back here no. where it all went wrong last time. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <That's right.
4: laughs> oh, God. Michael LaHood, thank you so much.
1: Final thoughts, buddy.
4: Um, I, I'm going to do something. I've just been listening to this song since I woke up this morning, and this is my mood. Up.
1: I can't even hear it. Oh, there you go. It's the Champions League theater. That's
4: the mood. I'm going to sign off with that in the background. I am so excited for this final. Thank you for having me on the show. Benj, JJ, so stoked to work with you. LME, you know how I feel. This is going to be a blockbuster final. Cannot wait for Saturday's matchup.
1: I love it. Uh, Michael LaHood, sing it, because we can't hear it. Sing the, the Champions League. <laughs> a... um, we just ruined the entire Cable uh, platform. Thank you so much, everybody. Real Madrid against Liverpool, which you can watch exclusively CBS Sports, Paramount+, Plus, CBS Sports HQ. You have all the content here at Keigo Lasso. He's been Jonathan Johnson. He's been James Bench. He's been Michael Hood. I've been Luis Miguel. It's Chegaray. We have so much content for you. Make sure to follow us. Keigolasso on Twitter, CBS Sports, and your CBS Sports app. Have a fantastic rest of your week. Enjoy the Champions League final. And join us right after it's over. Till then. Bye-bye.